0: There is a pretty overwhelming body of scientific evidence now on the benefits of yoga for physical health, mental health, spiritual health. And the military is starting to recognize this and you're starting to see yoga become a part of military training.
1: So today's guest is Dr. Dan Bornstein. Dan is an associate professor at the Military College of South Carolina, more commonly known as the Citadel, not only is he a professor with his focus in exercise science, but he's also the director of the Center for Performance, Readiness, and Resiliency and Recovery, which offers programming and training for those who work with tactile athletes, think military service members, firefighters, law enforcement, emergency medical service workers, and veterans. so Dan's in this interesting crossroad or let's say this emerging emerging sort of um, research. It's not just the mind-body experience, but really weaving a lot of fascinating physiology, psychology, anatomy, and core fitness training. You know, we kind of get into a little of spirituality in this conversation, particularly when he talks about how Anusara Yoga, which he came across at Canyon Ranch in Arizona many years ago, really has helped him manage a pretty severe and significant back injury when he was 11 years old. And so it was great to reconnect with Dan after many years having crossed paths at college in upstate New York. And he's a great guy. and He knows a ton about this emerging space. And I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Dan. And this is gonna be actually part one of, of two talks with Dan. The next time we speak, we're gonna talk more about his particular research and focus at the Citadel and working with tacto athletes. So thanks again for listening and uh, hope you enjoy the show. Well, Dan, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks, Derek. Uh, thanks for having me. A pleasure to be here. I love what you're doing. And so I'm just, I'm just happy to be a part of it. So thanks for having me on.
1: So you and I, you know, I had teed up in the intro a little bit about your career and background focusing with the Citadel and the military on resilience and performance. And I also know when we briefly caught up, right, several, you know, several years after crossing paths in upstate New York at college. Was that you and I shared a similar back injury. And, you know, back injuries come in many shapes and sizes, right? Some are acute, some are chronic, but they're not all the same. And how they manifest in the body is totally different. But you and I, you and I share a little bit of a unique type of injury. And anyhow, before we get into how yoga has helped your life, if you don't mind, give us a little bit of a story for your beginnings with muscular skeletal
0: health. Sure, so my, my beginnings were early I, I was I was eleven years old and I, I had gotten home from school on Valentine's Day. I just remember remember this happening on Valentine's Day, and I was at the the top of the staircase, my house that that the separated the first and second floor. And at eleven years old, right, you don't think too clearly about things and you think you're Superman and so I was standing at the top of the stairs and I thought, it would be a good day to set the world record for for stair jumping, seeing how many stairs I could jump down at once, how many I could clear. And, you know, in my 11 year old brain, my you know, my brain said the world record was at 16. So I'm standing up there and I've got my hands slid down the, the handrails, what have you. And I leap forward. And as my hands or as my body passes through, you know, my where my hands are, I fall. And I fall hard. And I don't know what step it was, but I know it wasn't 17. It was probably like 11. So I, I, I slammed down on the, on the stairs, fell on my back, and sort of slid down the rest of the stairs. And, and I had the wind knocked out of me, so I couldn't make any sound for what felt like an eternity. It was probably a, a minute or a half a minute. And I, I finally was able to make just enough noise to get my my brother's attention. So my, my parents were, were working. So my brother kind of came over and he's like, what? Yeah, what's wrong with you? And I, I could barely make any sound at all. And I just said, you know, I was like, Am- ambulance, you know, he's like, really? I said, I said, yeah. So to make a long story short, you know, the volunteer firefighters show up and they load me into the back of the ambulance and they take me to the hospital. And, you know, they took x-rays of my, uh, cause I was complaining mostly of rib pain. Yep. So they took some x-rays, they died. I had three rib fractures and for anybody who's ever had those, you know, they're, they're quite painful. And you were 11. And, and, uh, I was 11, 11 years old. I wasn't even aware of the fact that I had injured my back at that time. And it wasn't until the pain from my rib injury started to subside, which was took a couple months that I started developing and feeling some low back pain and it got progressively worse. And I ended up going to see an orthopedist in New York City who diagnosed me with what what you have, something called a spondylolisthesis, among some other things. So I had bilateral fractures of my lumbar L4 and L5 vertebrae. Yep, I had two herniated discs. And I had this spondylolisthesis, which is a slippage of one vertebral body over another, sort of in towards, if you can sort of imagine this, in towards the spinal cord. So this is 1983. And at the time- you're 11. You're 11 11 years old. 11 years old, right? And an active kid, right? I mean, I played every sport I could get my body into or hands on. Loved PE. You know, it was physical education, my favorite class. And the treatment- at that time was immobilization and removal from physical activity. Wow. So I was put, I was put in a back brace you know that was removable. I mean, I could shower and stuff. It wasn't like yep. I was in a cast. Yep. But basically for all waking hours, I had to wear this brace that totally immobilized my, my spine, at least my thoracic and lumbar spine, so I could still move my neck around and stuff. And I could wear it under my clothes you know, so the kids couldn't really see it. But yep. I was taken out of PE. I was taken out of youth sports. And my pain got worse, just progressively worse over the yep. course of about a year, year and a half. I you know, kept calling back to the doctor and they weren't really sure what was going on. And, and so they said, well, the next, you know, they basically after about a year, they said, well, you, have, you sort of have three options here. You could, you could try some physical therapy, which probably won't work. You could do six weeks of traction. In other words, they were, they were going to put me in a hospital room. So now I'm 12 and a half years old. Unbelievable. And and an active kid. So they're like, well, we can lay, we can put you in a hospital room and we'll put you in traction for six weeks, essentially to relieve, right? It was basically to relieve the pressure on that nerve.
1: And, And by the way, not to interrupt you, but I grew up with a good friend of mine who was very tall, who grew very fast over a short amount of time. And you know, he's like six, four now, but he grew so fast that he developed a form of scoliosis in his upper back. And he had a brace, a huge white brace. And, uh, I can't imagine just emotionally, like besides the pain, like the physical pain, but just emotionally, I mean, it's already an awkward age to begin with. So like, I can't imagine what you've had to go through, not only then, but just in how that f- forms your
0: life. Yeah, it was odd. I mean, it was just, it was just, odd, you know, and kids would, I, I remember my my PE teacher who was the wrestling coach kind of, you know, thinking I was a sissy, you know, for, right. for, for not being a part of PE, and I, I don't think he understood that. I really Pick up that to,
1: medicine ball, right? I really wanted to be there. I mean, I right?
0: really legitimately wanted to be there. But instead, I, I you know I was in the library. I mean, I literally, I went from from gym class to just why don't you just go to the library and study? It's like, Oh my god! So they said, you know, option option one, physical therapy; option two, traction; option three, surgery. You know, we'll go in there and we'll basically fuse all those vertebrae together. And then for the rest of your life, you won't have any emotion. L5, L4. L4, L5, S1. Oh. So three joint segment fusion. Yeah. And I opted for the physical therapy. You and opted for it. Like you as as I, an yeah, individual. Yeah, I just said, I want to give this a try. And then, you know, my dad, de- my dad, my dad was a physician. So he 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 sort of wanted to take a more conservative approach to to begin with. And so yeah, I started doing physical therapy. Yeah. And I started to feel better and progressively I got better. And to make a long story short, it was really the first time that I learned the importance of being strong, physically being strong. And and I think emotionally helping to become strong too.
1: Well, it also being, I think being strong and, and like, it took some strength and some courage to not want a quick fix. And I think people go into lots of surgery and I'm not a doctor, like, you know, I think a lot of times people opt for surgery and don't realize that th- the, the more natural, healthier, better long-term solution is already within you. Yeah. And like, I- I'm just amazed that you had the foresight as a kid to know that this is something I can work through. Like there's just a resiliency, but there's also like an intelligence and awareness and say like, I'm going to sort this out.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think... And we'll come, we'll come back to the the quick fix thing. We'll come back to that because it, 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 you know, the story evolves, you know, and I didn't necessarily, I was just afraid, frankly, more so than anything else of having to lay in bed for 12 weeks or or going to the knife. But, but again, you know, as I got progressively stronger, physically stronger, I was able to do more and I had less pain. And so I I was allowed to, excuse me, gradually get back into sports. I remember I I still was not allowed to do physical education or sport through middle school, but my freshman year of high school, I was allowed to run cross country. So like I ran cross country in the fall and that didn't seem to create any problems. So then they sort of said, well, maybe you can play soccer. So I started playing soccer. And then I started playing lacrosse and, and through all that, I I had to wear my back brace, but I was able to get back into sports and, and, and physical education. And it was, it was really important lesson for me to learn that I could get myself out of pain. As the story evolves, basically, you know, I went through college and I had my first job in, after college in New York city, I was a commercial property, casualty insurance broker. And I went from living a pretty active lifestyle through college, working out regularly. And, and you know, I didn't, I didn't play sports uh, competitively through college, but played recreationally. And I went to a job that was a super high stress job, right? I was on, I was on uh, commission and I worked 14 hours a day, you know, 12, 14 hour days, making cold calls, trying to get people to buy insurance from me, sitting behind a desk. And if I wasn't sitting behind a desk, I was walking the streets of Manhattan you know, with dress shoes on, not doing much exercise, but still drinking plenty of beer. Yep. and I started developing serious back pain again, and the back pain was my muscles basically going into spasm. Yeah. So I knew I had this, and you've experienced this, I think, right? So you've Absolutely. I had this from age 11. I had this permanent structural change to my spine. What I started to learn was it was the condition of the soft tissue around the affected structure yep. that really was the determining factor in my presence or absence of pain, which, which, which now as an exercise scientist, I read about it in the scientific literature, and that's been proven time and time and time You're again. Right. And,
1: and I would jump in like the analogy that I give to those listening is like those spasms are like there's bug in the software code. The, the spasm is the muscle doesn't quite know at what length should it operate on and how it how it fires. But it's literally like a muscle saying, teach me how to fire and help me rewrite the code so this thing operates
0: right. And when it's in spasm, it is incredible. It's like having a sprain. Basically, you have a sprained back. When, now, when you sprain your ankle, you can take it out of the picture, right? You can use crutches, you can yep. take weight off it and so on. When you sprain your back or you have an intense muscle spasm, there's really not a whole lot you can do for it. And I mean, I ended up hospitalized again several times, ended up getting hospitalized. Hospitalized. I, I, was, I was incapacitated. I couldn't move. In fact, I was living at that time. I was living with a cop and a, and a, and a paramedic. They were my two roommates. And one night I was in such bad spasms. That I was just laying on the kitchen floor and my paramedic buddy came home and he's like, oh my God, we got to get you to the hospital. And so he gets me in the back of the ambulance and he gives me a shot of Demerol or something. And it, Mm -hmm. it, it did nothing for my pain.
1: And what is Demerol? Is it just a painkiller or is a muscle relaxer?
0: It's a pain med. It's not really a muscle relaxer. It's a pain med. And he couldn't believe that it did nothing to take the edge off the pain. Yep. Yep. I've never seen that before. So anyway, I was prescribed all kinds of really heavy duty pain meds. And fortunately, you know, I never, fortunately never went down the pathway of getting addicted just because I didn't like the way they really didn't like the way they made me feel. Yep. But so for the better part of, of the next 20 years, I had these episodes of muscle spasm where I would get incapacitated. And I started really paying attention to what, when did these things happen? And there was a sort of a, there was a pattern. They inevitably happened when I was under the greatest amount of stress mm-hmm. And when I was taking the least good care of my body and I ended up sort of, I left the insurance business and actually moved my way into the fitness industry. And, but I still hadn't really discovered yoga. And I started working at this health spa in Tucson, Arizona called Canyon Ranch, which is a, Oh yeah. It's a high end a, place. It's, right? it's a it's a high end place. You know, I got, I got hired onto the fitness staff at Canyon Ranch and, and, and Canyon Ranch is a place that offers, kind of everything, like from from palm reading to cardiology and everything in between. right? So yoga is probably more, at least at that time, was perceived more on that continuum of palm reading than it was cardiology. But we had... And this um, was like late 90s, early 2000s? This was... This is like early nineties. Yeah, it's like early nine. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It was like late. Yeah, late nineties, early two thousands. Okay. Yeah, it's like graduated graduate college in '95. So this is around '99, two thousand.
1: And the reason I ask is because I feel like yoga just was starting. Bikram thing was just starting to get in late nineties, two thousands. So that's why I ask as right. far as you know right. the mentality.
0: Yeah, and, and Canyon Ranch being perceived as a leader in health and fitness, you know, was a place where a lot of people got exposed to yoga for the first time. And so I was teaching more traditional sort of fitness type classes, you know, strength training and 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 doing some personal training and doing some, believe it or not, teaching some step aerobics and cardio kickboxing and things like that. But I, I pulled aside one of our yoga instructors and said, you know, would you mind... Maybe doing a couple of one-on-one, I've I'll pay you. Would you mind doing a couple of just one-on-one yoga sessions with me? I'd like to learn a little bit about it.
1: And by the way, what made you think like, I should learn a little bit about yoga or like there's something there?
0: Were you like, why not? I, think, Were you I like, think, why not?
1: I've tried everything else. Like, well, why not? It,
0: it, it was, it was more, I think I was just genuinely interested, not necessarily from the perspective of my back, but just.
1: As like a fitness modality that you wanted to learn, yeah,
0: yeah, as a fitness modality, right? I wanted to see how it might fit in with what for me otherwise was predominantly a resistance training based program, and 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 I knew I was I had some flexibility issues, so so uh, so I did a couple of private you know sessions with her, and she was an Iyengar trained instructor, and so there was a lot of emphasis. I just remember there being so much emphasis on technique and, and slow alignment. and, 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 and by alignment. the way.
1: Let me just jump in for those Ayengar named after a guy named Ayengar who brought the notion of blocks, straps, bolsters, all the props that are used in a lot of studios. and they're that type of yoga, as you know well, is great for people with chronic or acute injuries. Like you are recovered from a hip surgery and you've got the green, you know the the sign off from your doctor. It's a great way to knit back that connection to those injured spots in your body. As one of my instructors said, Allison West, you don't have to have the problem to enjoy the solution. And by the way, for those listening who have, who have back issues, knee issues, hip issues, foot, ankle, go find a great Iyengar studio and, and start doing some privates.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I, I was just lucky enough to sort of fall into it, Derek, by having having a one-on-one Instruction with it with an Iyengar teacher who who really did emphasize alignment and you know in holding postures for an extended period of time and making ever so subtle adjustments to how you're holding your body and what that feels like was really eye opening for me and so I started doing just doing yoga classes at Canyon Ranch regularly. So I started working yoga into my regular weekly routine. And one of the things I started to discover was that it was a little bit more than just physical, right? So when I, when I was doing the privates, it was really more on the physical. But then when I started doing some yoga classes, there was this kind of spiritual element to it, right? Mm -hmm. This idea of working with the breath and that the challenges that we may be facing, on the mat, so to speak, quote unquote, right? Those who take yoga will be probably familiar with that term, but so the physical or emotional struggles you may be having, judging yourself about, wow, I can't get down very far into this posture and everybody else can. And what's wrong with me? And
1: right. The competitive aspect. Right. Right. That piece. I'm so glad Uh, in the back row.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Or gosh, I'm in the front row and everybody can see me and see all my faults. But that the idea of that being, an analogy for, for the, the struggles and challenges that we have in life and that to be still yeah, and to breathe through it and to work through it and to not necessarily judge it, but just kind of notice it. Yeah. I was kind of intrigued. Like, yeah. this, Wow. There's okay. So there's more to it than just strengthening specific muscles to try to help heal yeah. my back.
1: And I, just to jump in a second, I think when you have injuries. I'll never forget there was a guy who practically ran out of a Bikram studio and it was in the locker room before class or it was after class. The guy was so anxious about his back. This is before I had my own issues, right? And I think when you are first doing yoga, you are hyper vigilant about like, what am I doing here? What am I doing there? And then I think when you get over that hump and you get in a groove to your point, then you really get to focus in on like, yeah, where's the relation of my foot to the other injuries in my body but you're you know where you're taking this orchestra like you know what you're doing and there was a great quote i came across that said the asana is the bow your body is the arrow and your mind is the target and so in these yoga poses yeah you might look like you are not ready to put that on instagram but that's the edge that you're playing in in your own mind with your own body who cares about what anyone sees next to you if you're if you're wobbling or losing your balance like put a hand on a wall, grab a block, back off. But you, to your point, when you really zero in on the breath, that's where you're mapping the brain back to, you know, your awareness in your knee and your hips and your foot, which might help you protect the injury, but it's definitely going to help you over time to get a lot out of your yoga practice cuz you're so dialed in.
0: Exactly. And you talk about that edge, you know, what what you're capable of doing varies day to day.
1: Yeah. When you get really aware of your body and you know how, what you need to do, like, I got to tell you, because of my back injuries, I had issues with my own diaphragmatic breathing, the core pelvis connection, and there's a lot of holding. And now that I'm actually more aware of that stuff and it's opened up, you know, when I go play hockey, like I'm actually moving a lot better on the ice because I'm actually generating that power through my core using breath. And I think so breath can be kind of like this engine that supports your core. And so this is stuff that no one's thinking about their first yoga class. Like, Hey, like over time, you kind of sort of pick this stuff, pick this stuff up.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if we end up talking again, we'll, we'll talk about some of the applications that this has in, in, in the military and a military performance, mm-hmm. the breath work, it saddens me how many people move through not just each day or each week or each month, but, but maybe an entire lifetime without real consciousness for the power that their breath holds to improve their experience. It's really sad. And I know that when I get really busy and I'm up in my head, right. And I'm thinking about all the things I got to do for work. I don't think about my breath, but when I take time to stop, and either get on the yoga mat or just do some breathing exercises, it immediately starts to soften, not just my thought process, but my body. And when I get into pain, it's because I'm hard, right? Like my my body is just holding tension. And if I can soften, then things start to get better. And and, and I want to circle back to the point you brought up earlier about the quick fix, so I had been using, I, I had incorporated yoga into my lifestyle. So I was in the fitness industry and working at Canyon Ranch and and, and I had opened a, a, a performance enhancement center in Tucson, Arizona, where we worked with regular people and also sport athletes and what we now call tactical athletes, which are military personnel and first responders. And I did that for the better part of... About ten years, and we had an entire collaborative team. We we had strength and conditioning coaches, we had yoga teachers, we had behavioral therapists, we had dietitians, we had massage therapists. We had this sort of sort of this whole thing working, and it was a team that was there to support the individual in making lasting lifestyle change, or the or the or the team for the team. So if the, if it was a sports team or a, or a tactical team, then we would, we work with them that way. And after I sold that business, I went back to school and I I got a PhD in exercise science and I took my first class in biomechanics and functional anatomy. And I started learning not just where muscles are, but what they do when they contract properly. And it was through that process that I started really making the connection to the cueing that's offered by a really good yoga teacher. Right. So a really good yoga teacher is going to maybe talk about inward spiral or outward spiral or, you know, things like that.
1: that Internal rotation, external rotation. Right. right. So they're
0: going to, they're going to, they're going to encourage you. They're going to give you a a cue or a visual that's going to get your femur bone to move into a particular spot or what have you. And when I started learning, well, I know exactly what muscle it is, or muscles they're talking about to get you in that position. And they're never—they might not even mention the muscles. They're trying to have
1: you connect into that movement so you can find the the alignment that works for you.
0: And there's right, and there's what's what's beautiful about it is there's no real need to get technical with it as long as it happens. But to but to connect for me as an exercise scientist to connect that cueing with with now at the time when I was learning to be true about anatomy, functional anatomy, alignment, and so on, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. So for hundreds of years, the yogis who've been talking about this stuff, they totally got it. So it was just really neat to see, again, the science of human movement yep. as it connected to just really good cueing in a yoga class. And with all that said, when I got to the Citadel, which was about nine years ago. And actually, when I moved to South Carolina, yoga is not nearly as strong culturally in the as it was in the Southwest when yeah. I was in Tucson. I, I, had, I had phenomenal yoga instructors. And, and I moved from an, from an Iyengar-based practice to, when I was in Tucson, an Anusara-based practice. And I, and I practiced with a guy named Darren Rhodes.
1: How would you explain Anusara Either either in, in differing from Iyengar or just in general, how would you explain it, Isar? I,
0: I would explain it as a really, for me anyway, it was a really nice blend of, of the physical and the spiritual and the best cueing I had ever had. Really, so the, the teachers that I had had, and Darren was among them. So, but the other teachers that he had, so Yoga Oasis was the name of, and I think still is the name of his place in Tucson. So, this is now going back, gosh, probably twenty years. But the the cueing that was offered in the Onyasar style just really resonated with me. And, and, and really having a spiritual message at the beginning of each class and then ending with a similar message and having some, you know, some chanting and, and just these other sort of spiritual elements that I hadn't really been exposed to just deepened the, the whole experience for me. So the Anusara style was just really good for me. It, it, it really brought it for the first time. I really had that sense of community. I'm not a religious guy. I I consider myself to be a relatively spiritual guy, I guess, but not Particularly religious, dogmatically. So as I moved to South Carolina, first in Columbia, at, where at the University of South Carolina, and then and then down to Charleston. It's been 14 years now. I kind of lost my yoga practice because I couldn't really find a teacher that I really loved, and I couldn't find the community that I really loved. And about four years ago, I started developing instead of muscle spasms that that were acute and and very intense. I started developing chronic progressive neurological issues with my back where numbness, numbness down my yeah. hamstring and pain down my hamstring into my calf, foot drop yeah. uh, to the point where I couldn't walk. I couldn't teach a 45 minute class without yep. my foot going numb. Did you find yourself tripping a little bit more with that foot? Tripping. Yep. And it scared the bejesus out of me because I, you know, my kids, they're now 11 and 13, but at the time, you know, they were whatever, eight and and 10, I guess. And the thought of not being able to play with them was really scary. And it was getting worse. And I was, and I was trying everything. I was, so I, I did a summer of yoga. Like I stopped doing resistance training. I did a mm-hmm. summer of yoga. That was all I did. That didn't really help. I did physical therapy. I did acupuncture. I did dry needling. I, I got injections. Nothing was working. And one of my brothers, who's a a meditation teacher, uh, said to me, "Have you tried meditating?" Uh, and I said, "No, I haven't." And, and prior to that, by the way, I was I, I was I was at the point where I could not really take the pain anymore. So I consulted three different neurosurgeons.
1: And that was that pain more of the nerve pain. Was it?
0: It was, was the it, nerve pain. Yeah. and it was you know for anybody who has chronic pain, it's it it, it it's hard. You know, you wake up, you you wake up, it's there. You go to sleep, it's there. You don't sleep well because it's there. So I saw three neurosurgeons in three different states and they all basically said the same thing. They basically said we could do the surgery and there's about a 70% chance that it'll work and there's a 30% chance that it won't and then it'll make things worse. And their, their basic message was, if you can live with the pain, live with the pain. I was like, Oh God, I I don't know. I don't know that I can live with the pain, but I needed to hear that message. Yeah. The message was there isn't a quick fix. And then my brother steps in, you know, and says, have you tried just meditating? And I said, well, I, you know, I used to have a really strong yoga practice and he said, okay, fine. Have you ever just tried just sitting still, not necessarily moving or doing asana but just sitting still and breathing and meditating. So I've never tried that. So he gave me some resources and to make a long story short, after about eight weeks of regular, about 20 minutes a day of just mindfulness meditation practice, pain was gone, like completely gone. Yeah, And, and so now I've started to incorporate yoga back into my practice. And And I have this regular mindfulness breathing practice and I'm relatively pain-free. There are certainly days, excuse me, where I have pain, but to know that it's transient, to know that it's not permanent was a huge lesson for
1: me. And you also get used to knowing what kind of pain is it? Is it nervy? Is it just stiff? Is it just a muscle that hasn't been, it needs some blood flow and needs some movement? Is it, you know, like- Is it, uh, you know, unfortunately, like at our age, is it kind of an arthrital pain? You know, like you start to get kind of more aware of it. And then you think, okay, well, what is it telling me or what does it need to do? What do I need to do? Super hypervigilant type A people tend to have a lot of pain because they're like, all of that tension's in their mind and their body. And if you can learn to let that go with meditation and mindfulness or breathing or or and yoga, then that can massively help where yoga continues to stay in the picture is it helps you knit your body back together so like yeah you've reduced and removed this chronic tension in your mind and your body will now make your body longer and stronger and be in control of your body and know when you need to do this or do that and i think like it's a massive opportunity for a lot of guys who are listening who are have been or continue to deal with or are starting to deal with back issues
0: yeah. And part of the, part of the beauty of, of the yoga practice and incorporating, right. I know a lot of people are like, I can't sit still and just meditate. Like, you know, the beauty of doing yoga and incorporating the breath work is that you've got something else to focus on, which is your position in the asana in, in the pose. And, and so being focused on that and incorporating the breath there's enough going on in your mind usually at that point that you can't be thinking about financial stress, yeah. things going on at home, things going on at work, the things that occupy your mind otherwise. So it does allow you to engage in essentially a meditative process, which is really just a process of trying to simplify the mind. It's not, you know, it's not, meditation is not stopping the mind, the mind never stops. But if we can simplify the thought process, to be focused on something a little bit more singular whether that's your breath or your breath as it relates to how you're holding your body in a particular posture or pose and realizing that when you actually take a deep breath and let it relax that oh my gosh my hamstring just relaxed a little bit and now i can go a little bit deeper into this pose wow yeah. that was probably that was kind of cool yeah and I think for the Type A's out there, it's an opportunity. It's it's a it's a challenge to start doing yoga because you, you you're competitive by nature and you wanna and you want to get after it. And I and so I would yeah. say as a as a word of caution, when you start doing yoga, it's like anything else. It, it can be wonderful and healing, and if you overdo it, you can create injury. So I, for those who are looking to start a yoga practice, I would first say. Definitely try to seek out a qualified yoga instructor, either to work privately or in, in, a, in a class setting. And I would say approach it gently and just with an open mind and without judgment. So there, there really are innumerable benefits. There is a pretty overwhelming body of scientific evidence now on the benefits of yoga for physical health, mental health, spiritual health, and the military is starting to recognize this and you're starting to see yoga become a part of military training and i think it's going to only grow over time and and again maybe this is something we'll talk about in, in a subsequent conversation but again when you think about type a people and, and hard people, right? People who are really mission-driven and 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 have a very serious approach to life, doing yoga can can really help them not only perform better on the job, but also off the job, at home, with their families. And then once their career, maybe in the military is over, because inevitably they're going to accumulate some musculoskeletal injuries. So how you deal with those is really going to determine your path and how joyful your path is or how painful your path is. And I think you and I were talking about this a little bit off air, Derek, you know, it's like chronic pain can be an anchor that totally weighs you down and keeps you from enjoying life and or it can be a propeller where if you're if you're open to exploring the ways in which that pain can actually help you identify new ways to nourish your body and mind and, and soul. Uh, and that may be through yoga. It may be through something else, but yoga really is a wonderful way to do it. Then it becomes truly a propeller that can lift you up, but it's an individual's choice and it's not an easy choice. And sometimes you do have to go through some discomfort in order to get through to the other side and be lifted up. But I know certainly for me, and I think for you too, there was a time where where chronic pain was an anchor, but by devoting ourselves to exploring options and coming across, having, having been fortunate enough to come across yoga, yoga has been a propeller, certainly for me, and has lifted me up out of some pretty dark places.
1: Well, Dan, listen, it's been awesome to reconnect. There's a lot more for us to talk about. And for those listening, we're going to do another episode with Dan, talking more about his career and research in this... Uh, fast evolving space. I know I've had conversations with top physical therapists and they recognize that there's this mind-body connection that is a more holistic approach for dealing with post-op surgery, rehabilitation, dealing with chronic pain. And Dan, you are at the beginning of this curve, this sort of new era of thinking about fitness and resilience and recovery. Anyhow, thanks for being on the show thanks for doing what you do with the military at the Citadel and all your research with many of the folks who protect our country. And I know a lot of those folks who've after they've served deal with a lot of chronic pain. So thank you again. I look forward to talking more in the future and we'll talk soon.
0: Thank you, Derek. It's been a pleasure.